0: This is the Calvary Bible Church podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. Hi friends, I'm John, one of the pastors here at Calvary. I'm so glad to be back with you for Calvary Online. We're continuing our series that we've called Beyond Blue. As we kick off a new year together, we wanted to spend some time around some of the issues that have become an increasing reality in our world. Issues like depression and discouragement. There's been a noticeable uptick in anger and anxiety, doubt and disbelief. It feels like our world and our personal lives even are filled with all kinds of trouble. And we have been through a series of traumatic events. Because of it, so many people are hurting, but they don't want to stay there. They don't want to be gripped by gloom, but they want to move beyond being blue, and they want to heal. Over these last few weeks, we've talked about the personal impacts of despondency, the reality of doubt in the lives of the faithful, the presence of fear. And the kind of fallout that we can experience because of it. But today, we're gonna spend our time together talking about coming alongside people who are hurting, caring for friends. So if you have yours with you, open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Matthew is in the second part of your Bible. It's the first of four books in the New Testament that are the biographies of the life and death of Jesus of Nazareth. Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of what I think is fair to be called the greatest sermon ever. It was preached by Jesus on a mountain that's in modern-day northern Israel, right by the sea and overlooking the Sea of Galilee. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. There was a big crowd around. There often was when Jesus was teaching. But this sermon was directed to his disciples, to his followers, his closest ones. And in verses 14 through 16, ones that might be familiar to you, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it on a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The world was way darker in the first century. We take for granted how bright our world is, even at night. The room that I'm in that we use to record this message is filled with all sorts of giant lights, enormous ones. You don't even see them. But their job is to make us look somewhat normal. Then we've got these fancy colored lights behind me, and you're watching this on a screen. Maybe it's a TV, maybe it's your laptop, maybe it's a phone, and that screen is filled with thousands of little lights that illuminate a video. Everywhere I go now, I have a flashlight in my pocket because of my iPhone. But in the first century, light was precious. And they probably understood more than we do the importance of light in the darkness. Darkness can be dangerous. You don't know what's out there or who's out there. And when it's especially dark, when even a single solitary light comes on, you notice it. It can't be missed. And we're drawn to it. It's like when you're out camping and the stars are so bright that you can't stop looking at them. And if you wander away from your campsite, it's the campfire that draws you back. Jesus said his followers are to be the light of the world. You might know that Jesus described himself as the light of the world also. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. Jesus, and anyone who follows follows him, is the light of the world. This is the language of the kingdom. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Kingdom, life. Jesus is our king. We're his followers, his subjects, part of his kingdom. And so the way we live is a reflection of his life. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Just imagine making your way through a dark night through a forest, and then you break out of the trees, and there in the distance, on a hill, are the lights of a city. Not one single light, but many. More than you can count, and they're so much brighter than just a single flashlight, and so welcoming. It's like a relief to see it. That's what the kingdom is like. Warm, welcoming, visible in the darkness, pointing the way to life with Jesus. And just like you can't hide a city on a hill, no one would ever hide a light under a basket, especially not in the first century. The whole point of light is that it would be seen. And so in verse 16, Jesus drives the point home. Don't hide your light, he says. Let the light of life in the kingdom shine so brightly that others might see it. And then he gets practical. He moves from a metaphor about light to saying, we want people to see our good works. That's how we let our light shine. The kingdom life is meant to be shared with those who need it. Jesus did this in so many ways. He cared for people. He healed people. He calmed storms. Jesus never kept his light hidden under a basket. It was always visible for people to see. When people experience the darkness of death or disease, of discouragement and depression, what is our call as people of the kingdom? It's to come alongside and to shine the light of life in the kingdom. We're called to help them. Jesus described it as doing good works, which could be as simple as a thoughtful card or an encouraging visit. Maybe it's a meal. Perhaps we open up our home to people who are in need, or we take care of the kids, or we clean their house, or we help them get to the doctor. I've learned by watching so many of you about the importance of helping the hurting, of sharing the light of Christ with those who are in pain, Many of you have done it for me in times of great pain. And I've watched you love families who have experienced tragic loss. I've watched you walk alongside the pain of depression and mental illness by helping the hurting. The truth is, helping heals hurting hearts. Helping heals hurting hearts. Now, before we even talk about helping other people, do you know what's amazing about helping, about serving, about living as lights in our world? Sometimes, maybe even most of the time, it seems like we get more out of the experience of helping another person than the ones that we help. Isn't that amazing? Social scientists and mental health professionals have researched this phenomenon widely. In a 2003 study that surveyed thousands of people in the Presbyterian Church who regularly volunteered, the researchers found that both helping others and receiving help were significant predictors of mental health. But, and this is the amazing part, giving help was a more important predictor of better reported mental health than receiving help. Feels like I've heard that before. It's better to give than to receive. Helping heals hurting hearts both the hearts that receive help and give help can be healed. There's more to be said about this, but I want to tell you about some of the ways that we've tried to help other people in our community over the years as a church. And then I want to talk with you about some of the ways we're going to try to help those who are hurting today. About 20 years ago, we began a series of projects called kingdom assignments. Their purpose was to enable our church to help meet needs in our community and to intentionally develop in our church a culture of serving and caring for people, of sharing life in the kingdom throughout our communities. The first kingdom assignment was given to 100 people during one of our Sunday morning services. We asked 100 people to come forward with no idea of what they were signing up for. We gave each of them $100. $100 $100. $100 to 100 people, about $10,000 total. We told them, this money isn't for you. It was from God, and you are going to take it and multiply it. You're going to increase it, and then you're going to give it away outside of our church. And then, in 90 days, you're going to come back and report what had happened. It was a step of faith for those 100 people, and so many of them got amazingly created, uh, creative. There was a couple who used their $100 to buy soap and sponges and buckets and then advertised a dog wash in Boulder. And they raised more than $1,000, which they gave to the safe house, a place for victims of domestic violence. Artists bought supplies and then auctioned off their artwork. One guy took his $100 to work, called a morning meeting, gathered everybody around a conference table, threw his $100 down on the table and said, all right, I got this at church. I've got to make it grow. What are we going to do? And his coworkers got super excited about it. Some of them donated towards it. They got creative and brainstormed about how they might be able to increase it. And then they gave the money away. An 11-year-old came up to Pastor Tom after the service and said, I'd like to be on assignment, but I don't think I'm old enough to take $100. So Pastor Tom gave him a $1 bill. And Josh took that dollar bill and made a bunch of copies at Kinko's of a flyer that said, I will pull weeds in your garden and all the proceeds will go to support the lost boys and lost girls of Sudan. And Josh took that dollar and turned it into over $150. We thought afterwards, maybe we should have given him a hundred bucks and seen where it went. It was so amazing. When it was all added up, those hundred people multiplied that money into nearly $50,000, which was all given away into our community. During the second kingdom assignment, we asked 200 people to sell a possession worth more than $200. We asked the question, what do you think Jesus meant when he said, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor? Do you think he actually meant sell your possessions and give to the poor? Well, let's try it and see what happens. So 200 people committed to sell something. And in 90 days, they brought the proceeds back to the church so we could all give it away together. People sold all kinds of things, musical instruments, timeshares, jewelry, and they brought it all back. We added it all up and it was $83,000. It was incredible. And we set some of the money aside to give to some other churches in Boulder so that they could do Kingdom Assignment One. And then we gave several large donations to community service organizations in town. We wanted to let them know that we appreciated the work they were doing with the poor in Boulder and that we wanted to partner with them in their work. One of those organizations was named Family to Family and they worked with some of the poorest in our city helping families who were in deep financial need we had talked with them before, them and before then, and we asked, if, if we give you a donation, can we be sure that it will go directly to people in need and not go to support administrative costs? They agreed, and we said after we received the offering, we have a, sm- a gift for you. We took it over to them. A small group went over to present the gift. They had no idea what the amount was, and we handed them a check for $20,000. The director opened the envelope, saw the amount, and said, like, I can't tell you exactly what she said, but it started with, Holy! And then she covered her mouth and wept. And through her tears, she said to us, I never would have expected a gift like that from a church like yours. And we realized in that moment, we probably haven't been shining our light in the ways that we need to. They don't think we care about helping people who are hurting. And that's exactly what we're called to do. And so we knew we had more work to do. During Kingdom Assignment 3, we asked our church to volunteer for 90 minutes in the community over the next 90 days. Could be coaching soccer, maybe serving on the PTA, helping at school or connecting with some of the social service agencies that were in town. We asked a bunch of them to come to church one Sunday. We set up an info booth for each of those community agencies in the cafe and we sent our people down after the services to find out ways they could serve in the community. These were opportunities to shine light in our city to help people who were hurting. And they made some amazing connections with some of these agencies, with the Safe House, at the Boulder Shelter for the Homeless, with the Emergency Family Assistance Association. And over the next 90 days, 400 people from Calvary served outside the walls of our church to total over 600 hours of community service. As we were increasingly out in the community, we were surveying the needs that existed and places where we as a church might be able to come alongside and help where we could. At the time, the Boulder Valley School District was experiencing a really significant budget shortfall, so much so that they couldn't afford to hire maintenance people to do the needed work on their buildings. They could afford supplies like paint and rollers and cleaning products, gardening and landscaping tools, but they couldn't afford to pay people to do the work. And we learned about this need in our city And so we approached the director of maintenance at the district and said, we'd love to bring hundreds of volunteers and do the maintenance work at a few schools in BVSD. What do you think he said to our offer? He said, no way. I don't want hundreds of volunteers coming into my schools and and doing harm. We were persistent and we overcame his objections. And finally he agreed, maybe even a little bit begrudgingly. But we canceled our services that weekend, and we took about 800 volunteers from Calvary to three different schools, University Hill Elementary, Casey Middle School, and Fairview High School during our first ever ShareFest. We washed windows and painted hallways and classrooms and parking lot lines and pulled weeds and swept sidewalks and altogether contributed more than $100,000 in free labor that first year of ShareFest. ShareFest grew to become a city and eventually countywide movement to help meet needs in multiple school districts. We invited other churches to join with us over the years, and at its peak, about six years later, ShareFest involved 4,500 volunteers from 45 different churches, serving at more than 135 sites across the Front Range. And our prayer through all of these experiences was that we would be able to shine the light of Christ In our communities. We believe that one of the best ways to share the gospel is to live out the gospel through good deeds. We've said it this way, that good deeds lead to goodwill which provide a platform to be able to share the good news. It sounds a lot like let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, your good deeds, and then give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Good deeds create good will, which opens the heart to the good news. Helping heals hurting hearts. Do you see the connection, the link between helping people and healing the hurting? The most important help we can give any person is through the transforming work of the gospel. That doesn't take away from the physical needs that we're called to meet in the lives of people. We're called to be ambassadors of mercy, to come alongside the hurting and to help them here and now. But we all are so much more than just physical beings. We're spiritual too. And the greatest need that any person has is to be saved by Jesus Christ, to be restored in a right relationship with their Creator. And so our vision as we serve and help is to meet the holistic needs of people, physical, emotional, spiritual. The Kingdom Assignments accelerated our work to become a church for the city of Boulder, not just a church in the city. They allowed us to capture a vision of being a church that seeks the total welfare of the communities where God has called us. And they were the building blocks of so much of the work that we have done together over the last 20 years. As we became more familiar with the needs in our area, we realized there was a new community growing up that didn't have an established church like Calvary in it. And so we prayed together, took a step of faith, and launched the Erie Campus. We started the Erie Campus by meeting in the brand new Erie High School. And we were searching for land for a number of years, and we had looked at something like 25 different properties in Erie that didn't work out. And we thought we had seen every option. And then we discovered that the St. Vrain Valley School District might be interested in selling their softball fields on County Line Road. So we called their director of maintenance, who we knew well because of our work over years with ShareFest. And he said to us, we would love to sell our softball fields to Calvary Bible Church. That's where the Erie Campus facility stands today right on those fields. That is one of the most incredible examples of good deeds that we did in our community, which generated goodwill, in this case, in the life of a man who worked in the district, which then created an opportunity for us to be able to share the good news. The Erie campus now reaches a thousand people every weekend with an opportunity to share the good news of faith in Christ. Work we've done together like the Heart of Advent, the 6-8 Project, Crisis Response in our community, Go3, and even the Thornton Campus all grew out of these kingdom assignments. Now, many of these stories we've shared today are from a really long time ago. Maybe some of you weren't even born yet. But those original kingdom assignments from 20 years ago changed our church forever. And we have a new kingdom assignment that we're kicking off today. A kingdom assignment for 2022. The needs in our community are great. The number of people who are hurting as a result of the Marshall Fire is staggering. More than a 1,000 families lost their homes in a matter of hours. And today is our day. It's our time for a new generation to be on assignment, helping the hurting And here's how we're going to do it. You, as a church, have been so generous in so many ways. Our benevolence fund, which we use to meet the financial needs of people who are a part of our church family and those who are in the community, is overflowing because of your kindness. And we want to make those dollars available to people who need it. So you, the people of Calvary Bible Church, are going to help us give away $100,000 to families that have been impacted by the Marshall Fire. Let me be very clear. We are not asking you to give anything. We are asking you to give it away. And if we need more than that, we're ready and we will. And now I want you to know that we've already given resources to four families at Calvary who lost their homes. We've been in regular touch with them and we will be in the months and years ahead and we'll help them in whatever ways we can, financially and otherwise. But this $100,000 that we've set aside for now is going to be given away by you, to your friends, to your coworkers, to your family members and neighbors outside the walls of Calvary. We have all these resources and you're the ones who know the people and you know their needs. I bet many of you have someone in mind right now. All you have to do is fill out a simple form on our website. Click this link or the one that's in the description below. All you do is let us know who they are, how you know them, and we'll give you the money so that you can give it to them. We have a whole system in place. We'll handle accountability. We have a team that will review each and every application, and we'll ask questions if we need to. And we'll make sure that if 10 of you request help for the same family, we'll get you all together and make it all work. You might want to give gift cards. Maybe a check would be most helpful. Each of you can give away as much as $2,500 to a family in need. We'll give you the check or the gift card, and then you'll take it to to your friend. And you'll tell them that you love them, that they're not alone, that this is a small gift to help them, that your church cares about their needs and wanted to help. Listen, we know the financial needs as a result of the the fire are enormous, and we're not going to be able to solve all of the problems. But we want to empower you to be the mechanism that gets this money into the hands of the hurting. And we pray that as we give it away, it will help heal hurting hearts. And then, in 90 days, you're going to report back to us You're going to let us know how this gift helped you minister, how you were able to care for the people that you love, and if there are any other ways that we can help. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is our kingdom assignment, my friends. God has been faithful to Calvary for 133 years. And our calling today is the same that it's always been, that we would shine the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ in our communities to help meet needs, to come alongside the hurting, to pray that God would draw people into the healing life that is found in the kingdom of His Son. Let's go. Let's let our light shine in the darkness and give glory to God. Father, we pray for your help as we desire to meet the needs of people who are hurting in our communities. We pray for their needs now, God. We pray that you would uphold them and encourage them, bless them and supply their needs, that you would bring peace and comfort to those who are hurting, and that you might call to people to find life in your kingdom. I pray for my friends who are joining us today who may be hurting themselves, I pray that perhaps by taking a step of faith and helping others that you might do the work that only you can to heal their heart, to help them, to encourage them, to care for them. We thank you, God, that you love us, that you're near to us, and that you're with us as we care for the needs of people. Lord, would you go before us in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.